Hi, this is Beth Capici and welcome to the Never Perfect Podcast. I'm a psychologist and I believe that embracing the fact that no aspect of life is perfect actually makes us happier and healthier and motivates us to achieve more. It also helps us become more real and compassionate with ourselves and others. In my counseling office, I deal with a little bit of everything. So in this podcast, you'll also probably be hearing a little bit of everything. Not only professional advice, but also some of my favorite and least favorite personal stories. I'm also going to be interviewing people who are brave enough to share their stories with us. I believe that everyone has a lot to teach and a lot to learn no matter what their background is and in spite of their imperfections. You don't have to be perfect to be inspiring. Super excited to be here today with a friend named Leah. Um, and I love her name, but I'll I, I never know whether to share people's full names or not. Um you can use my full name. Okay. <laughs> I love your maiden name as well. Leah True Salerno. Yes. And Leah is a breath of fresh air. She is, I feel like a kindred spirit and really insightful. She's a free spirit. She's a retired nurse, very inspiring, very loving. Um, she is also an artist. And even as we were preparing to start recording this morning, I said that we may have some background noise because our kids are kind of all off on summer break and going to go to friend's house today. And you may hear some doors opening and closing, and she called that life sounds, and <laughs> I love that. So um, welcome, Leah. Thank you, Beth. I'm very excited to do this. Well, you're so nice, and I feel like I could pick your brain on about 100 subjects, and we might go, because we're kindred spirits, I feel like you are open to going any direction <laughs> like I am. But um, so I'm going to try to narrow it down and not keep it too, too broad. But could you maybe talk a little bit about your experience? As you know, the theme of my podcast is never perfect and how we all go through hard things in life. And we try to use our experiences and difficulties to help others. And we all have strengths and weaknesses and hopefully use, first of all, discover what our strengths are, recognize those and our passions and our callings and the pull we have to help people, which I've seen you do a lot. And I'm really hoping you talk about this, <laughs> but just some of the hard things we go through and the life stages we go through. Um, I know you've been through divorce and remarriage and some health issues with your husband and how you've endured that and healed from that and also used your experiences to help others. So do you want to just share a little bit of your story? Oh, sure. Um, I think I'll start with how I met you, if that's okay. Great. Um, I came to Beth because I was dealing with my husband's illness, which was an acute illness. And I was afraid 
and I felt isolated and I was becoming angry and I didn't want to be the angry wife and respond inappropriately. And so I came to Beth to talk about my issues and see how to best help him and, and help myself and hang on to my sanity. <laughs> and she was a great help, very easy to talk to with very insightful suggestions um, and during that time, I realized I needed to reach out to some of my girlfriends who were having similar issues. Um, I suddenly, my eyes were opened and I realized they were lonely and isolated. And um, these were not friends who all knew each other, but I invited at that time four friends and we had a picnic at <laughs> Coolidge Park and got to know each other. And um from that first meeting, we decided we had to have another meeting. So we started meeting once a month, loosely. Um, and we would come and have a picnic lunch and talk about what was going on with ourselves and with our husbands and became a very tight group. Mm. Um, it was a lifeline mm. because they could, we could each have some sense, even though the diff illnesses were different. It was similar. They were right. all serious. Mm. And so um, as some husbands got better, we continued this group. Um, we invited other people as their husbands would, we would see a need. Mm -hmm. But um, it stayed really this core group. Um, one friend has moved and her husband passed away. Mm. Um, and we had to comfort her from a distance. Um, mm. And then... Um, now we, we just, it's more about us. Yeah. <laughs> we, we just meet because we're friends and oh. have developed um, artistic interests that parallel each other and um, encourage each other through our own illnesses now. And mm. love yeah. that. What an amazing and spontaneous way to band together with people that are in similar life stages and similar situations and just to find that you're not alone and right. have that continuity of like regular support and understanding. Yeah. Sometimes That's, there's texts in the middle of the night. Oh, you know, I love that. Yeah. So it started with four ladies like three years ago. Let's see. It was three years ago. There were five of us initially. Now there's four. Okay. Yeah. And so some have, you know, gotten a bit better and some have moved away and one passed away, but y'all still just, you know, look to each other for support and encouragement. Yes. So what would you say were some of the themes in your groups or some of the needs? I, I know caregiver burnout is a big one. And you mentioned things like not getting irritable, which is, it's so hard when you're extremely stressed and tired and taxed not to be irritable and you know you want to be your best self but when you're worn to a frazzle that's really hard um what would you say about you know caregiver burnout or what would you call that um i think it's it's written everywhere that about the um, comparison to the plane where you have to take the oxygen and breathe first before you can help anyone else. Yes. And I think 
that um, through your encouragement and reading, the whole thing about taking time for oneself is very important. And whether that's to meet with friends or to go get your hair cut, you know, or to go practice yoga or take a walk, mm -hmm. all of those things are essential. Um, and I think anyone who isolates themselves thinking that they can do it themselves mm -hmm. are setting themselves up for a disaster. Mm. So I couldn't agree more. The intentions are wonderful when you want to be a dutiful caregiver, but just anticipating that there could be a real crash or collapse if you don't, if you're not proactive and you don't ask for help. And a lot of strong people are really um, not great at asking for help or acknowledging their limitations or taking care of themselves. Well, you know, as Americans, we're taught to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and mm -hmm. be a source of strength for others. Um, through the illness of many people in my life, I have found that um, you have to separate yourself from, you're not the same person. Mm -hmm. You are your own separate being. Mm -hmm. You know, no matter how much you love your parents or how close you are to your loved ones, you are a separate being. And you have to realize that we're all just passing through this world. Mm -hmm. That we bring joy when we can. We bring encouragement. Um, we try to learn. Um, boy, this is getting deep. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but we, we can only really affect our own selves. Mm -hmm. We can love each other and, and try and encourage each other, but everybody has to make their own decisions. And mm. Yeah, that is super deep. And I love that we're all just passing through this world. You know, just what, why are we here? And, you know, what do we need and what's our purpose? But how do we navigate the needs that we see, which are never ending? Exactly. And the stress, which is never ending, <laughs> but trying to protect ourselves so that we don't collapse. Like the right. oxygen mask analogy, um, we have to be, I guess, kind of have foresight or be intentional and just really like you said, recognize, you know, I have to take care of myself or I can't help anyone. Right. I always use the example of if you're, if you're struggling to stay afloat swimming, you can't help someone else who's drowning. Exactly. You can call for help. <laughs> you can yell help for them, Yeah. but you, you shouldn't try to help them if you can barely swim yourself. And I've seen a lot of people with caregiver burnout and had to work with them on, you know, people can't read your mind. You might, so many people appear to be okay when they're not. Right. And they look strong. And if you, if you tend to be either a really cheerful person or you feel like you have to always put forth a cheerful attitude, even if you don't feel that way internally, I know I've struggled with that even right. since childhood, I would feel like people would think I was rude if I wasn't friendly or smiley or, and so I would fake it sometimes when I wasn't feeling great. And I think with when you're taking care of someone in a season, whether it be someone with health issues or an elderly person or even children, 
you know, I, I did a podcast on motherhood, a couple of them, and just how often people struggle more as mothers than they ever realized they would. Yes. And as caregivers, you don't really know how you're going to be if, if your spouse has a stroke or has a heart attack or an accident, you don't know how to navigate that. Typically no one teaches you how to do that. Right. So you're feeling your way through it. Yeah, I, um, there was something you said that I wanted to go back to, um, oh, just really being deliberate about self-care and not feeling guilty to ask for help or go get a sitter, tell family. I remember a woman that I worked with whose husband had had a very debilitating, sudden, acute episode, <laughs> your nurse. So, you know, all those, right. The correct terminology, but when he was, I think late forties. And so she found herself in her mid to late forties being a caregiver <clears throat> until he passed away. And when I met her, she was probably seven or eight years into caregiving and oh, wow. she was fried. Yeah. And, but one of those people that's strong and didn't want to ask for help. And so she finally sat down with her family and said, we, I need you all to take a rotation. Um, she was working full time from home, kind of watching her husband all day and then just not getting a break. Right. Um, which also brings to mind some of these people, and I'm going to definitely do an episode that have disabled children, um, that they need supervision constantly and all the burnout that goes with that. But um, sitting down and telling your family or friends, I need help. This is what maybe you could take a shift or you could take a shift. Um, so what did you do and what helped you the most when you were feeling, I don't know, burned out or what, what words you would use to describe? You just felt like you weren't your best self or you were more irritable than normal. Yeah. Um, well, the biggest thing that helped is Dave got well. <laughs> so not everyone has that to look forward to, but um, the the connecting to the friends was huge and just having that connection on a frequent basis and then taking time to, um, it, I had a yoga practice, but I beefed it up mm -hmm. and that's an odd way to say it. But, oh, okay. um, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I turned to yoga and um, through that, my um, sister-in-law recommended um, that I start to follow uh, writer Richard Rohr, R-O-H-R, mm -hmm. who is a Franciscan friar and mm. has um, a meditation that's online every day. And um, through that, I learned that um, what we view as our dark side or our weaknesses are just as much a part of us. Mm. And God loves them too. Mm. It's not a bad part of us, but um, that it's when we're weak or we're suffering that really God can be glorified. Mm. I love that. And so all people suffer. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I learned, okay, this isn't just my burden. Everyone has a burden. Right. Oh my goodness. So through that, I started to feel a bond through humanity. It wasn't just um, these five fabulous women, you know, mm -hmm. um, during the pandemic, when all the churches were shut down, um, our preacher did communion one Sunday. Mm -hmm. I was on YouTube watching the service and, and he emphasized how 
when we take communion, we are at one with all spiritual beings. Mm. That this was not just those of us taking communion at that moment. Um, his name is Courtney Kruger from mm. <laughs> First Cumberland Presbyterian Church, to plug him. Neat. But um, he is a fabulous preacher, and he has been wonderful through this whole thing. But I'm sure he had no clue how he touched me that day mm. by just giving me that thread with humanity. Mm. Wow. Yeah, so much of what you said just resonates with me so much. I mean, one of my favorite verses of all times is <clears throat> how God's power is made perfect in our weakness. Yes. And I love that. And also just everyone has a burden. Um, one of the books I've always wanted to write is called The Loss of Dreams and how we are all, we spend our life grieving a lot of lost dreams and we need to recognize those. I think it's so important to recognize the good and the positive in our lives and be thankful. And there's a lot of evidence that being thankful and having a gratefulness journal is so good for us, but we don't want to err on the side of ignoring our loss and our pain. And I think so many people tend to want to either do one or the other. They just want to talk about the difficulties in life, which are innumerable, <laughs> but and then others just want to be positive and only talk about the good and hide the bad or ignore the bad or repress it. And I think both are so crucial to a balanced, healthy life. But recognizing that we all have lost dreams and we don't see other people's lost dreams sometimes. Right. And we assume their life is better or their life is perfect or the grass is greener. And it's, I just like to say, you just don't know what their struggle is, right? what their pain is and what they're grieving, but we're all grieving little and big things. Yeah. That's so true. Um, I went through a phase in my middle ages where I, um, I had a lot of regrets, mm. you know, I, I had divorces and I hadn't, completed my education to the degree I thought I would and hmm. that kind of stuff. But the, one of the things about hitting older age is I let that go mm -hmm. and it's like, okay, let's move on. What do you want to do with what you have left? Hmm. And that's really exciting because um, I'm at a place where I have the opportunity to learn new things, you know, meet new people, mm -hmm. go new places. That's so. interesting. So you kind of had a bigger regret phase in your middle age and you're currently 60. Yes. So in your forties, you kind of had your yeah. regrets. Yeah. I'm glad you moved past that. It's kind of interesting because, um, Eric Erickson's stages of psychosocial development, which mm -hmm. are a key piece of psychology training. I hope I won't butcher this. It's been a while since I've reviewed it, <laughs> but they talk about the the stages in life from toddlers all the way up to, you know, being elderly. And one of the later stages is generativity versus stagnation. Um, and then I think meaning versus despair. And so they talk about a lot of people having regrets when they're older, maybe 70, mm -hmm. um, or 80 reflecting back on life. So that's kind of interesting that you did that more in middle age. And now you're kind of like, so what can I do to make the most of the rest of my life in the future? And you're beyond being, you know, full of regret or guilt about 
what you didn't do. I guess it may come back around and bite me, but I don't know. I may have that phase again, but at the moment, yeah, I, I'm just thankful to be alive and where I am. Maybe that comes with surviving a pandemic. Yeah. Know. yeah. <laughs> a new lease on life, a yeah. second chance. Yeah. Um, that's neat. I, um, I, I am one of those people whose glass is awful. It's not just half full, it's awful. It's awful. All A-L-L-F-U-L. But yeah, some would call me a Pollyanna, but I just believe that you can find the good in everything. Uh-huh. Yeah, you're an optimist. Well, that's associated with good mental health. I mean, being resilient and optimistic is super good and it's, it gives you a good prognosis for your mm -hmm. mental health. Um, so what you said, something else that I wanted to respond to. Um, so you just kind of shifted your focus from what I didn't do, which uh, that definitely did resonate with me. How many people are haunted by some loss of a dream or regret that they can't let go of? And I think that's one of the most important things to work past because so often that's really only you that it cares about that. Right. People that say, I wish I had gotten that degree or finished college. And they kind of have this, this almost shame or spotlight syndrome. Like everyone knows this and everyone cares about this. And so often it's like, nobody cares. Yeah. Like <laughs> I, if you had to ask me which of my friends graduated from college or didn't, or if they have a master's degree or just a high school or GED, I don't know. And I don't care most of the time. I mean, and it seems to be becoming less important yes, on some levels. I agree. More and more people are seeing the sense of just kind of learning a career or more of an apprenticeship type of thing, like learn as you go, start a business. Yeah. You don't have to spend, you know, a hundred or $200,000 on college. Why don't you put that into a new business. And that's a whole nother podcast. Yeah, that is. <laughs> we touched on that a little bit in my choosing a career podcast or, or thinking outside the box about careers, but, um, but so, um, so this group that you started because so many, um, of your friends were relating to your sense of like struggling with aging or, or husbands with health issues and just knowing you're not alone and just being able to, you know, share advice or experience and be in it together. Yes. That was very therapeutic for everyone. It sounds like. Oh yeah. Yeah. And now, um, we, we share as many joys or more than we do struggles. Wow. So it, it's truly blossomed into a beautiful friendship. Mm. That sense of community is just so important. And I really hope that everyone has that. And for those that are super private or isolated, I just hope that they will put themselves out there and try to reach out and maybe share what's going on in their lives or reach out and check on people. Because so often we don't know what other people are going through until we open our mouths or they right. open their mouths. Right. This, this has been, um, of the five of us, I think the biggest blessing for me. So I encourage people now to just reach out yes. and, and, and try to not necessarily form your own group, but just the more you reach out, the mm. more it comes back to you that, mm. um, others 
are in your boat. Yeah. <laughs> They're not rowing alone. Yes. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, I keep having that AT&T commercial from the eighties come to my mind and this is a perfect chance to bring it up. <laughs> it was that little, let me see, i clear my throat before I try to hum it. <clears throat> it was that commercial that was like, reach out, reach <laughs> out and touch someone. And I keep thinking about that. And I'm like, I don't know why, but it it's just resonating with so much of what I want that message to get out there. And this is a perfect, um, you know, I guess example that's kind of comical, but a funny connection with Leah and I is um, about a year ago, we discovered that her grandson is on the same soccer team with my son. And actually, ironically, my daughter was playing on an all boys team <laughs> for one year. And um, we loved her grandson and his family and found out that that Leah was his grandmother. And so that was neat. But so speaking of soccer, we were on a soccer weekend just a couple months ago. And I won't go too long off on this tangent, but you'll see why I'm going there. <laughs> um, so a mom and a, a soccer mom had posted on Facebook about her daughter having dyslexia and how proud she was that her daughter had um, run for like, she's only in elementary school, but she ran for like student president or something in her fourth grade class or, you know, third grade class. And she was so proud that she had written a speech and read her speech because there's a lot of shame and stress with dyslexia and reading in public. And so she was super proud of her daughter and she posted that. And that's the only reason I knew her daughter had dyslexia. So we were at lunch after a soccer game and I said, tell me more about your daughter. That's so cool. And another mother from the same team had known this other mother that was there <laughs> for years, like five years, had no idea that both their daughters had dyslexia. Oh my goodness. Even though they'd known each other five years. And we had a very profound, intense talk about the grief and the worry and the shame and the, the sadness for your child struggling to fit in at school, feeling like they're not smart when they are so smart. And I am just cannot wait to do a podcast on intelligence um, and the different types of intelligence. Oh, yeah. That would you be and I one. could probably go off on this right now for about 30 <laughs> minutes at least. But um, it was a powerful talk and we all cried a couple times and these moms were so glad to talk to each other. What a relief. Oh, it was. Yes. And, and it was funny because it was like one of them has about a 16 year old, I think, and the other one has an eight year old. But they were able to share resources and talk about their grief and pain and worry for their child. And it was such a powerful moment. Yeah. But that's exactly how if, if we don't open our mouths and share our stories, you don't know what the person right next to you is going through. Exactly. And sometimes you just don't get a chance. I'm sure those mothers would have shared their stories five years ago if they'd had a chance, but yeah. they hadn't. And it just happened. And we kind of talked about it all weekend. We were out of town for this, this soccer weekend, but, um, so yeah, reaching out touching someone <laughs> and like, you know, checking on them. And a lot of people, you know, also are reluctant to reach out. I think they, feel like that's, that might be strange, or do I know this person well enough to right. text them and check on them? But I don't think we have enough of that. Yeah. And uh, we're so connected through social media now mm -hmm. as a whole. Um, I think a little more honesty and a little let pr less perfect vacation might mm -hmm. be mm -hmm. powerful. Yes. Maybe we could 
form our own social media group. Yes. For life sucks today or something. Yeah. I, I've, it's funny. I've kind of thought about that. Like, here's the real, you know, here's the real stuff going on in my life or the hard stuff. Yeah. And maybe we could approach it kind of like, um, the journaling idea or the, the concept I mentioned of just recognizing the difficulty and recognizing the beauty in our lives mm -hmm. and doing that more because yeah. social media really does leave so many people sad and feeling left out or feeling like a failure. Right. And, you know, sometimes I try to say, you know, if you think about it, some of these people are posting the fact that they hiked today because it's the only quality time thing they've done in three months. And that they're like, this is the highlight of my last three months. Yeah. And maybe we need to look at Facebook or Instagram or whatever as this was the best thing that's happened to me in three months. <laughs> this doesn't happen every day, right? you know, yeah. or this is the best picture I've taken in three months, <laughs> you know? Um, but it is so discouraging for so many people. Um, but you know, another topic that comes to mind with some of that is, when I was first, um, having my kids and, you know, I was in my early to mid thirties when I had my first, and I was super worried, like, you know, what if I can't have a baby or what if I have miscarriages? And there's so I've worked with many, many people who've had fertility issues or multiple miscarriages, and there's so much heartbreak and grief over that. But some people are super private about it. Right. And they have a right to be, but some of the best advice I got when I was getting pregnant was from my cousin's wife. And she just said, you need to remember that one in four pregnancies end in miscarriage. And it's not your fault if it happens that sometimes your body just knows and you're a nurse. So you're probably a great person to bring this up with <laughs> there too. But, um, you know, sometimes your body just, it's not developing right. And there's something wrong and your body just knows that there's something going wrong, but that lowered my anxiety so much when she told me that because I was anxious, yeah. you know, I was 33 when I got pregnant <clears throat> with my first and, um, but as people to say, oh, I had a miscarriage or I had a miscarriage and many people came to me when I was having children and just said similar things. Like I had a baby and then a miscarriage and then I had another baby and then I had another miscarriage. And people were so kind to volunteer this because I really was anxious. Yeah. And it just made me, it normalized. This is common. Yeah. And it happens. It's part of life. So really that's, that's surprising because usually when people are pregnant, something compels others to tell them horror stories. <laughs> <laughs> right. Let me freak you out. Yeah. Give you something else to worry about. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, I don't remember too many of those, but I have, I have heard plenty of horror stories about different things that have heightened my anxiety. Um, and of course you see that stuff on the news all the time. Yeah. I'm about to take a news break. I've been reading, I read a daily blog called the skim. Ah, heard, and, oh yeah. I used to read that the daily skim. Yes. And, um, today was about horrible things that have happened to indigenous children in the U S and in Canada, and it's like, okay, this this is just too horrible. Mm. To, so yeah, there's plenty of horrible out there. Yeah, the heartbreak is, you know, sometimes more than you can take. Yeah. Um, and I've known many people that just said, I can't handle the news. And that's where you have to sort of, one of my running themes is to come up with your user's guide to yourself and knowing huh? yourself. 
That's a great thought. Yeah. And it helps a lot. Like I, for one, cannot handle horror movies or no, I don't like suspenseful movies. Mm -mm. People with kind of a more sensitive nervous system um, don't enjoy um, being stressed out like that. Thank you. (laughs) My whole family knows, oh no, mom can't watch this. (laughs) Oh yeah. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Well, when my husband and I were dating, he likes suspense movies and he likes scary movies too. And he would laugh because I would be plugging my ears and kind of squinting my eyes or I would leave about five times to go to the bathroom. And he's like, where are you going? And I'm like, I got to get a break. (laughs) But I'm like, my idea of fun is not having my heart race and like (laughs) gripping my chair for an hour or two. That's not fun. And then it never goes away. You cannot unsee that. (laughs) Yeah. Then you're haunted. You can't (laughs) go to the bathroom by yourself for a few days. (laughs) But you know that we're all unique and we have to be like, true to ourselves and be healthy and like, say that might work for you. It doesn't work for me. And that's okay. Yeah. You know, we're unique yeah. and we can handle different things. Um, all right. So that was a lot of tangents, but yeah. I love tangents. <laughs> um, so any other, I don't know, advice or experiences that you think would help to share, um, how to get through extremely stressful times or, aging or, um, I mean, you were only married like six or seven years when your husband had that acute health issue, which did it last about a year or? Yeah. The, um, the event and then the recovery with the side effects of everything, it was about a year of recovery. Um, I just think, um, there's the cat. <laughs> that was perfect. She had to make an appearance. Yeah. I, I just think um, you have to um, take care of yourself. You have to, whatever, if like I became more spiritual um, and looked inward um, mm. and, and tried to find the good things. And then of course, tried to do things to help Dave recover, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, I think you encouraged me to um, ask him when I thought I was being hateful. Am I being hateful? So, <laughs> so that I wasn't hard hard yeah. on myself unnecessarily. But, right. Yeah. That's that's um, that brings up a good point. Is you know it's really hard to be your best self when you're really really stressed or really really tired. And I like the idea of just kind of warning people or just apologizing. I mean, I heard a speaker once talk about moments of injury. And then moments of healing. And I love that because it's like, there's going to be moments of injury. Right. But if you acknowledge it and validate it, there can be some healing. You can't undo it. Right. But you can say, I'm so sorry. Like I'm stressed and I've been in a bad mood lately. You know, I've learned to warn people if I'm really hungry or, you know, (laughs) if a woman's going through menopause or PMS, like, I think it's really good to say, listen, or I had a bad day at work. Just warn the people around you. Like I'm not in a great place right now, whether it's because of stress or a bad day, but you know, I'm going to probably do a whole separate episode on this wonderful handout that I give people all the time from an assertiveness chapter called the personal bill of rights. I think you gave me that. I probably did. (laughs) It's one of my top like three handouts of all time. And it talks about, I have the right to make mistakes and not be perfect. I have the right to, to rest. And I have the right to be uniquely myself. And I have the right to be angry at people I love and things like that. 
So um, I'm glad that you were able to tell your husband or ask him like, honey, I feel like I'm being kind of short or rude or whatever. Um, but you know that it would, we we're not robots. Right. And we want to be nice and pleasant, but when you're tired and fried and exhausted, you know, it's really hard to do that. And we have to forgive ourselves. Yeah. I, I don't think he had an understanding of how scared I was. Mm. So I had to do some explaining of how this was affecting me. You mm. know, this, this was, um, I had my best friend and I was afraid of losing him. Mm. Painful. So yeah, I think I think if you're a person who keeps things inside, then it, it you have to examine of okay, they don't know what turmoil I'm in, mm. so. and that's where you're kind of caught between a rock and a hard place because so often I think the caregiver doesn't want the the victim or the person suffering the patient to feel bad, right? And so you're kind of like if I tell him how stressed I am or how worried I am or how scared I am. Is that going to make him feel bad or is that going to make him depressed? Right. So it's like, when do you share and when do you not? And that's yeah. a hard call. Exactly. Ooh. Well, so life is definitely better now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you're still using that difficult experience, which led to some amazing community and friendships to um, continue that kind of um, sense of support and you give and everybody takes their turn, um, when they're having hard times or good times, you know, you can, you're there for each other right. in the ups and downs of life. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it, it's one of those things it's turned out to have brought around a blessing. So yes. that difficult time has been a big blessing. Brought so much good out of hardship. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's so wonderful when people like you can use your difficulties to help others and to find a calling and make a difference because I'm just blown away by some of the, the people who are willing to share their stories, whether it's mental health issues or, you know, family problems, marriage problems, again, fertility issues, health issues, whatever it is, just, you know, reach out and say, I heard that you went through this, right. you know. And I'm here for you. I understand. I'll be a spokesperson for this, you know, <laughs> and that's an amazing and noble calling to do that. And we all need that, you know, someone who's right. brave enough to say, hey, I went through something and I'm here if you need me. You know, I see what you're going through. I know no one's ever going to fully understand what anyone else goes through. Right. But, you know, if they're in the ballpark, I think it's good enough, you know, so well, thank you so much for being willing to share your story and your experiences with us. Oh, thank you for inviting me. It's been a pleasure. I loved it. 